Welcome to the Business Scholarship Podcast, interdisciplinary conversations about new works in the broad world of business research. I'm your host, Andrew Jennings. If you like what you hear today, please consider subscribing to the podcast or sharing with others who might like it too. And if you have ideas for future episodes, let me know. My email address is andrew at andrewkjennings.com, and I look forward to hearing from you. Our guest today is Colleen Honigsberg, Associate Professor of Law at Stanford University. We'll be discussing your article, Deleting Misconduct, The Expungement of Broker Check Records, which she co-authored with Matthew Jacob of Harvard University. The article was recently published in the Journal of Financial Economics, and I'll link to the paper in the show notes for the episode. Colleen, welcome to the Business Scholarship Podcast. Thanks for having me. Colleen, I wondered if we could start the conversation by introducing for listeners who may not be familiar with the role of FINRA, the Financial Industry Regulatory Authority, and state regulators as well in regulating the day-to-day conduct of broker-dealers in the securities industry. Could you introduce what their role is and maybe with that introduce to the listeners the Central Registration Depository or CRD? and the broker check system that is available on Finner's website. What role do they play? What's their purpose and how do they work? Of course. So I think this actually even starts off really big picture as what is a broker dealer? So within the sort of financial advisory profession, there are several different categories, people who can provide advice to you. Broker dealers are going to be the most common of what we really think of as somebody who's a financial advisory professional. If you think of any of the big movies like Wolf of Wall Street, those guys are broker dealers. And it's basically anyone who buys and sells stocks on behalf of somebody else and is paid a commission to do so. So these guys are really common. And as you can probably imagine, there's a lot of incentives that they have that may not be fully aligned with the individual whose money is at stake. As a very classic example, if you receive a commission for buying and selling stocks and you get a commission each time you purchase or each time you sell a stock on behalf of a client, then your incentives might be to just purchase a bunch of stocks and sell and make a bunch of transactions and get paid fees for each of these transactions rather than to really buy and hold the best long-term investments. And there are tons and tons of conflicts like these that can arise. When we think about how we want to regulate these guys, we need to really consider all of these different conflicts and try to figure out what type of system can deter these types of perverse incentives or constrain these perverse incentives. So this is where FINRA comes in. FINRA is an SRO, which is a self-regulatory organization, really for broker-dealers, and it's the primary regulator for broker-dealers. So you have some benefit and some help and effort from the SEC as well, and also from state regulators, but most of it is going to be through FINRA. They inspect broker-dealers. More than 50% usually of broker-dealers are inspected annually. There's a fairly robust enforcement mechanism. One of their big things is disclosure. And this is where the CRD broker check system comes in. They have the idea that if they put a bunch of information about broker dealers online, that when you or me or anyone else goes to hire a broker dealer, they will go to that system and they will look up that person's history and that will give them a better sense of, is this person a good broker or a bad broker? And the reason for this is that misconduct among broker dealers is really heavily concentrated. There was a study a couple of years ago, basically, I think it's one out of every 13 broker dealers has some sort of misconduct on their record. 
And this is not that different from doctors, um, where you also have a fair amount of quote misconduct or malpractice, maybe. The difference with the broker-dealer regime is that it's really concentrated. With doctors, the distribution of misconduct is fairly evenly distributed, more widespread. Whereas for broker-dealers, the people who have misconduct very frequently have multiple misconducts and it's the same people are accounting for a very disproportionate share of that misconduct. The idea is that if we put this information online, people will research them and they will avoid those bad brokers. And so the broker check system then has a good amount of information actually on all broker dealers. It has their work history. It has the licenses. It has some information on their financial background. For example, if they've had bankruptcy within the past 10 years, but it also has a good amount of information on what we might deem misconduct. These could be complaints from a customer or regulatory infractions or criminal infractions. It's pretty easy to use. You just go to the website and type in somebody's name and all of a sudden it pops up and all of a sudden you have tons of information and a very low cost mechanism for researching people. Certainly, it doesn't reach everybody who's hiring a broker. I think I did a quick check with Amazon's Alexa to see how many people actually use it. And what I found was that I think it was 300,000 unique users over the past month, which isn't bad. It's certainly more people than that are researching brokers, but it's not a bad start. And it's certainly better than the SEC's website for investment advisors, which is comparable and has, I think it was like 75,000 unique users. BrokerCheck is decently utilized, but it's definitely not full capacity yet. Even if it ever will be, I don't know. But presumably it does provide some benefit for a good number of people. BrokerCheck allows potential customers or broker dealers to check and see, okay, are there any issues with this person in the past that might give me pause in working with him or her? But the disclosures that go into BrokerCheck aren't necessarily vetted. They haven't been adjudicated as true. They could be mere accusations from an employer or from a customer. But there is an ex-post expungement process, even if they aren't pre-vetted. Why might a broker seek expungement? How does that process work? And is there any controversy around the process itself or how it works in practice? It's really controversial. In theory, you only seek an expungement if there is an error. So as you had mentioned, the disclosures are not pre-vetted before posting at least not extensively pre-vetted. There's a threshold, for example, if it's a customer complains orally to FINRA, the settlement amount has to be above a certain dollar threshold for it to actually show up on broker check. And FINRA keeps raising that dollar threshold. So there's a little bit of ex-ante review, but very minimal. And so the problem with this, this does still happen, but it's, I think, less common than it used to be. But you'll see disclosures against literally the wrong Andrew Jennings. So imagine that there are two Andrew Jennings who work at Goldman Sachs, and one of them has committed misconduct. It's possible that the disclosure and the complaint is going to literally show up on the wrong Andrew Jennings. So this is what the expungement process is theoretically for. And that when you have these clear errors, like maybe it's the wrong Andrew Jennings, or maybe Andrew Jennings, yeah, he worked at Goldman Sachs, but he was like not at all involved. And so he really shouldn't have been accused. So in theory, the expungement process is supposed to be for these type of instances. And that when there's an error, when there's something that's just materially wrong, then you're allowed to remove that information from your profile. And you can imagine why a broker would want to do this. 
if they have a public allegation of misconduct and people do use broker check, then presumably they would want this information off their profile. It's bad if customers want to review them and want to look at their history before hiring them. It's also bad because employers use broker check too. And so if an employer wants to research somebody, it's easy for them to just go on broker check. And there are many employers who aren't going to want to hire somebody who has misconduct on their records. So you can imagine a broker would want to have a clean record and would be incentivized to go and seek an expungement. If they do that, there's a process where they go through FINRA arbitration. I call it FINRA arbitration, but technically the arbitrators are not FINRA employees. They would really want me to say this, but you go through a protocol with FINRA, with the FINRA arbitrators, where they decide basically, was this an error? And is this expungement incorrect? Should it not have been there? Was it wrong? Is it wrong that the allegation shows up? And if so, they agree that they remove the expungement from broker check. The arbitrators rule as such, and presumably within 30 days is gone. This is really controversial because there's a perception that the arbitrators are expunging too much. It's really supposed to be a very high standard that the expungement is only supposed to remove misconduct if that disclosure is wrong. As a practical matter, there have been some prior studies and also in my own study that show that 80 to 90% of these expungement requests are granted. And when you look at them, it's really hard to say that they are meeting that very high threshold to where they should have been expunged. There was one guy in my study who I think he had, it was like 37 expungements. And so you've had a lot of people who rely on the broker check system, like the state securities regulators who are very upset about the expungement process because they say this is removing really useful information that does predict misconduct. And so they think FINRA is being overly lax in allowing brokers to remove this information because they rely on it to try to identify the bad actors. Let's talk about your study a little bit. What research questions did you set out to answer? What kind of data did you use? And how did you construct the overall study to answer those questions? What I really wanted to understand is what is the effect of the expungement on each individual broker? How does being granted an expungement affect their career outcomes? How does it affect their likelihood of recidivism? And then also I wanted to provide some sort of descriptive statistics on the frequency of the process, how many brokers request expungement, how often is it granted. So I found thousands and thousands of expungements, over 6,000 requests, 80 to 90% of these are granted. So it's actually pretty common. And then this real question that we wanted to get at is, how does this actually affect a broker's future trajectory in terms of their career and also in terms of recidivism? With the idea that you can imagine intuitively, if you're removing this information from their profile, but this person is a bad actor. So you can imagine just intuitively, if we have somebody, they previously had a red flag on their profile because they previously had misconduct, but then we're removing that red flag through the expungement process. Now it's much harder for people to monitor that individual. Some of the people who previously would have been on notice and perhaps not hired them or applied a stricter standard of scrutiny to that person now aren't aware that person has a history of misconduct. And so they don't have their guard up, so to speak. You can also imagine there's lots and lots of psychological literature that studies how success in unethical conduct affects future outcomes and future behavior. When people 
behave unethically and they get away with it, they become overconfident. And sometimes they even rationalize their unethical behavior and they think it's okay. Other times they just become overconfident and they think, I got away with it in the past, so now I will be able to get away with it again in the future. Tons of research indicates that when people are successful in unethical conduct, they actually become even more likely to behave in unethical conduct going forward. So this is what we were concerned about, is that if people are successfully expunging true misconduct, then they're just going to become more likely to engage in misconduct going forward. And unfortunately, this is what we found. It's really hard when you're dealing with something like this that is, what is the true effect? Because to really understand the true effect of an expungement, we would want a randomized control sample. And we would say, these 1,000 people are going to get expungement, these 1,000 people are not, and we're just going to distribute it randomly. Obviously, that's not how the arbitration process works. You go through a process and you get it based on the merits and based on your specific case. However, although it's certainly not like a sort of random, these people get it and these people don't, there is a random element to it, which is that the arbitrators who are going to hear the case have very strong fixed effects regarding expungement. And what I mean by that is that there are some arbitrators who always rule in favor of expungement. There are some who never rule in favor of it. The way the FINRA arbitration process works is that when you go through arbitration, you get a set number of potential arbitrators, and then each side gets to strike some of those arbitrators. And then you mutually agree based on the people who have not been struck on how many of the remaining ones, which ones of those you will use. Usually for expungement cases, this is going to be three people. You will have a panel of three and both sides will have ranked, struck a number of people and then they rank those that are remaining and then they select those three based on the highest rank, the highest mutual ranking. So if you get lucky, if I apply for expungement and I am lucky enough to get a bunch of people who are very pro expungement, there's just a much higher likelihood that I'm going to get it. On the other hand, if I randomly get a panel of people who are very anti-expungement, much lower likelihood that I'm going to get it. So we use that randomness in the panel assignment. And basically, you know, you apply for expungement and you are lucky enough to get a set of people who are always in favor of expungement, then that increases your likelihood. Whereas on the other side, if you are unlucky with the panel, you have a much lower likelihood of expungement. So using that element of randomness, that's actually how we tease out what is the causal effect of the expungement. With that, we do see higher likelihood of recidivism, again, presumably because of those behavioral problems that we've seen in prior literature. And then also, to no one's surprise, we find better career outcomes. And this makes total sense because employers do check broker check. And there's lots of evidence that having a misconduct on your record will actually reduce in your future career outcomes in the broker dealer space, because there are a number of firms that just don't want to hire people with misconduct. So you found that a broker's expungement history is predictive of recidivism, is predictive of certain career impacts. Do you have a sense of just how big an impact there might be? How much riskier should we think of somebody who has had an expungement as compared to somebody who hasn't? Is that the right way to think about it? And when we talk about the concentration of misconduct in certain people, as you mentioned at the top, 
of the show. Just what are we talking about in terms of the level of concentration there? So first, brokers with prior expungements are 3.3 times as likely to engage in misconduct as just the sort of standard broker. So certainly brokers with expungements, it's a very significant warning sign. What is perhaps an even greater warning sign is brokers who have an unsuccessful expungement. For people who apply for expungement but get denied, that's an even stronger warning sign. In terms of the distribution, 25% are repeat offenders. It's really concentrated, much more so than when you're dealing with other professions. 25% you find are repeat offenders. Is that a high rate of recidivism? Is it moderate, low? How should we be thinking about that? It's really high. To clarify, when we're talking about misconduct within the broker-dealer space, first, one out of every 13 broker-dealers have one or more allegations of misconduct in their history. This raw number is very broadly comparable to things like the annual incidence of medical malpractice, where about 1% of doctors in each year will have some sort of new allegation of medical misconduct. And the same within the broker-dealer space, about 1% in each year will have some new allegation of broker-dealer malpractice. The difference, though, is that within the broker-dealer space, all of those new allegations of misconduct are very frequently coming against brokers who already have a prior history of misconduct. When you look at broker-dealers who have misconduct, about 25% of them are repeat offenders. So this is a really high degree of concentration relative to other industries and that you just have certain people who are bad actors who have repeat allegations of misconduct and a lot of warning signs. And so those are the people you just want to avoid. How do your findings inform the debate, the controversy around broker expungement practices? And does this paper inform other areas of study, like the research around the market effects of personal brand or reputation? In terms of informing the policy regarding expungement, there have been people on both sides of the aisle who have had major issues with expungement. On the left, we've seen a lot from Elizabeth Warren, who has said, we really need to clean up this practice. This is a major issue that's allowing broker-dealers to get away with misconduct and to hide it from both consumers, but also from state securities regulators. We've also seen people on the right who have said the same thing. Senator Grassley, a long-term Republican, has also spoken and written a number of letters to FINRA about expungement saying this is a really problematic practice and you guys need to clean it up. I think my paper has a couple, my research has a couple points there. First, expungement is much more common than has been previously reported. The people who have looked at expungement previously have usually used either a subset of expungement or they have used only one or two years. And so this is the first widespread study on expungement that includes thousands of them over a 10-year period. First, a lot more common, which seems like it would be a lot more problematic. Second, we find then certainly it's correlated with lots of bad outcomes. People who have expungements much more likely to have misconduct and such going forward. But more important than that, we find that it causally affects bad outcomes such as recidivism. I think what my paper would say is that with expungement, you have a sort of ex post versus ex ante issue and that either FINRA can ex ante review the types of complaints that it puts on broker check and ensure their accuracy 
and do a better job of that to prevent false allegations from showing up in the first place. Or ex post, they can allow for this type of expungement process and then clean up false allegations that have gone through because they have very low ex-ante verification. FINRA needs to assess this trade-off. And I think what my paper would say is that they need to do more on the ex-ante side. And that before they actually post anything on CRD for the public, they should actually just do a better job of verifying that it's accurate. And if they did a better job of verifying that it's accurate, we wouldn't need this type of expungement process. And they could really constrain it to where we're having, certainly there are always errors, but not like thousands of them the way that there are now. I think what I would say is FINRA needs to take some responsibility or more responsibility for what actually shows up on broker check in the first place. And to their credit, they have been trying to do this. So I think they'll get there. They just haven't gone there yet. In terms of future research, this is actually something that then I am working on now. But one thing I noticed is that it was actually, if you know what Wells notices are, Wells notices are when the SEC tells somebody that they're under investigation. And I was working on a project on Wells notices at the same time as I was working on the expungement paper. And I noticed that the same people kept showing up in both databases and that you had a bunch of people who had expungements as broker dealers, but then were also showing up as investment advisors, which is another classification of financial professional where they were also committing misconduct and thus showing up in my Wells data. And what I realized there and is we have all of these different classifications of financial professionals. The two most well-known would be investment advisor and broker dealer. One thing I noticed is that people move from one classification to another after getting misconduct within one classification. So let's say you're disciplined by FINRA, you apply for expungement and you don't get it. Instead of leaving the financial advisory world, they go to a different system. Maybe they try to become an investment advisor or more commonly, they go and they start selling insurance and then they become state regulated. So that's something I'm working on now. But I think in terms of implications for future research, that was actually the main thing that I saw. What key takeaways would you like listeners to have from this conversation and from the research from the article? First, use broker check. It's imperfect but it's actually a good, helpful system. And because the people who have misconduct so frequently have multiple incidences of misconduct and are arguably bad actors, you really need to avoid them. Go to FINRA's website. You can just go to Google, type in FINRA broker check and search somebody's history before you hire them. Now, if you want to know if somebody has an expungement, you can also search the FINRA arbitration awards. For these, again, just go type in FINRA arbitration awards into Google the search tool will come up and then you can search your broker's name. This is an imperfect search tool, but it's pretty good. If somebody has an expungement, search for that. And then that should usually come up with and tell you if that individual has an expungement and then read the case and get a sense for whether you would really want this person making financial decisions on your behalf. If they have misconduct, I would say avoid that person. Our guest has been Colleen Honigsberg, Associate Professor of Law at Stanford University. We've discussed her article, Deleting Misconduct, The Expungement of Broker Check Records, which she co-authored with Matthew Jacob of Harvard University. The article was recently published in the Journal of Financial Economics, and I'll add a link to it in the show notes for the episode. Colleen, thank you for joining the Business Scholarship Podcast. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Business Scholarship Podcast. If you like what you heard, Please consider subscribing to the podcast or leaving a rating on your favorite podcast app or let other people know about it too. If you have suggestions for future episodes, please let me know. 
My email address is andrew at andrewkjennings.com, and I look forward to hearing from you. Until the next time, I'm your host, Andrew Jennings.